And welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today. Well, Greg Peters is an Iowa-based LG Seeds agronomist, and he spent time digging corn plants recently to assess the impact that drought is having on root development. He explains what he's seeing in the fields. This year, we're seeing that the roots were stunted, especially early in the season. And the main reason was we had subsoil moistures here in the West, where we were 15 to 17 inches short a year ago. And as we moved into June this year, we were nine inches below normal. The main thing that we saw is if we had timely rainfall, it would actually cause very rapid growth on that plant and root growth. And then it would go back through a stunt, and then we would have another rainfall come through, and it actually promoted the plant growth. But the roots were very limited. Limited. One of the things that we are seeing is there's hybrid differences. There's some that we consider are high yielding lines. Those tend to be more of a fibrous root system, so they tend to be more in the upper portion of the soil profile. Those are showing extreme stress this year. Now, there's other hybrids that we have that have rapid root growth, and they can actually penetrate deeper into the profile, and those were the ones that had the advantage. And Peters has this advice for farmers that find shallow-rooted crops. We're recommending everyone to, to go out and look at the root systems this year. We have the shallow root systems from the environment, but we also have other factors that are influencing the root, a lot of compaction zones, and we're also seeing a lot of sidewalk compaction this year and we really don't know why the sidewall compaction was so severe. I have people that even have precision planters where the downforce was controlled and we were still having sidewall compaction, but I think it was primarily because the soils were so fine from the drought a year ago and we had enough moisture and when we came in with the downforce on the closing wheels that it actually caused the sidewall compaction. The other thing is, is looking at brace roots and with the rapid plant growth, a lot of times we don't have brace roots that develop, so we're going to be susceptible to wind. So more or less the recommendation is if we're that 10% root lodging potential area, those fields have a priority in harvest. While Peters was in the fields digging roots, he also scouted for pests and diseases and found some tar spot lesions. Starting to see tar spot move in to the area, actually in central Iowa. It's been here quite a while. I know uh, you look at Indiana in the east, there's advancing counties quite a bit. And actually Missouri has had more counties advanced this year. So tar spot is actually growing and expanding its area that it's in. I think it's important for producers to go out, scout for the tar spot if they see it, be concerned about having the inoculum as we go into the next growing season. If they want to treat it or we can actually come in and look at tolerant lines because we've identified more and more hybrids that have good tolerance to tar spot. As we get into the month of August, he explains what else farmers should be on the lookout for in their cornfields. We're evaluating western corn rootworm and actually northern corn rootworms as well. I've had several fields that are following soybeans where we have rootworm damage in northern Iowa. So I think that's one thing that we have to go out and evaluate. If those fields have high pressure, my recommendation is to take those fields out and put them into soybeans this next growing season. That's the best option that we have for control rootworm. Other than that, if they want to stay in the corn, we can go into the SmartStacks Pro or anything like that. Extended diapause, you know, I think there's other products. We have a lot of Duracade products coming out that I think are, would be phenomenal for the, the extended diapause. For support reaching your yield or profitability goals, reach out to your local LG Seeds agronomist or visit lgseeds.com. And again, you can contact your local LG Seeds agronomist or visit lgseeds.com to learn more.
Well, since 2006, Sustainable Oils has been working with Camelina in the renewable fuel space on Camelina breeding with the intent to turn the crop into aviation fuel. Mike Karst, president of Sustainable Oils, says not only is Camelina a good cover crop, it's also a good source for renewable fuel. What we want to grow is grow Camelina in between the major crop cycles or on land that is fallow. Uh, so in the far west, if we think about Montana is where we do a lot of our fallow production, it's a wheat fallow, wheat fallow rotation for many growers. We can take one of those fallow years and put Camelina on there because one, it's a very short uh, season crop. This year in Montana, it's the first crop coming out of the field. Two, it's a really low water use crop. He says 45,000 U.S. acres are contracted Camelina and about 42,000 are to be harvested due to weather-related losses. Karst says they are looking for additional contract growers. We cannot grow enough Camelina to outpace the demand. Most genetics are being developed in Montana, and a majority of Camelina is grown in Oregon, Washington, and Colorado, with Kansas and Oklahoma becoming bigger Camelina-growing states. Karst says they are pleased that the Risk Management Agency now offers insurance available for many states that have Camelina production. Well, Mexico is the largest destination for U.S. pork exports, and the U.S. Meat Export Federation differentiates U.S. pork as top quality through a marketing program that guarantees no water or other enhancements are injected into the product. USMEF Regional Director Gerardo Rodriguez recently updated pork industry leaders on the program. I will just give a little bit of context regarding the pure pork. We have been working on this effort to identify the quality on the product per se. We know and we understand that there is uh, no regulations from the government to identify and label the pork that is being injected or whatever you want to call it. So they put the amount of water that they want. There's no regulation on that. So we want to work with those companies and those distributors selling the product the natural way in the fact that it's no manipulated, right? No injected, no marinated, no water added, nothing, nada. Just the way it is. Because if we don't do something right now, we are going to be paying in the future when people get used to that modified product. So we will develop this pure pork program. Well, with the pure pork program achieving success in the retail sector in Mexico through a nationwide partnership with Costco, USMEF is now expanding the program into the food service sector. We start this program in the retail sector. So we get a commitment with Costco nationwide. And they are carrying the pure pork program in Mexico. Now we're doing this in the food service. This expansion has been great. Actually, we started in a pilot program in the north of Mexico and Monterrey. We moved to Mexico City. Now we are in Guadalajara and we'll be moving to Chihuahua. So we're moving around in the food service. And this is not only a marketing activity, it is putting the seed in the industry for the future in Mexico. And for more information, please visit usmef.org. And finally, the delegates of the U.S. Grains Council elected Brent Boydston, Corn, Cereal Grains, Digital Agriculture, and Carbon Lead at Bayer Crop Science as chairman of its board of directors. USGC elected Boydston as chair last week during its 63rd annual board of delegates meeting in Calgary, Canada. Boydston grew up in a family farming operation near Centerville, Kansas that raised cattle, corded soybeans. He assumed his current position with Bayer Crop Science in 2016 and has been on the council's board of directors ever since. Previously, Boydston served as vice president of public policy at the Colorado Farm Bureau and spent more than seven years working on Capitol Hill. In addition to Boydston, Verity Ulibarri of the United Sorghum Checkoff Program was nominated as vice chairwoman and Mark Wilson of the Illinois Corn Marketing Board was elected secretary treasurer. 
That's going to do it for American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm Jesse Allen, wishing you a great rest of your day.